This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Good evening, everybody. Sorry, I missed you guys last week. Wednesday night, I was somewhere up in Alaska. Tuesday night, I was somewhere up in Alaska last week. So we're going to talk about Alaska a little bit tonight. Before that, we're going to talk about the Tanaram, the whole thing that happened on Tishabov, which I don't have on the internet, but you guys do, so you know there was a lot of stuff going on about what I spoke. Um, so I just like to, number one, um, I spoke on Tishabov at one o'clock when, in, here in Oryitzvah, when everyone got to sit in their chairs, which is a very big moment, which if you heard the whole share, I explained that you get off the floor. And we're sitting in all our pain from everything that we go through. And there's a lot of people in the world that go through a lot of different pains. There's abuse and there's people who lose someone that's close to them. And there are people who are sick. And there are people who are in the shit of crisis. And there are people who um, who are married for 10, 12 years and don't have children. There's a lot of trauma out there. And it's always a very big physic on Tishabov when everyone gets off the floor and they get to sit on the chair. It's sort of God because the fire is still burning till. Every Tishabov, the fire is burning even worse. So why do we get on our chair? My, my point was that that um, there's hope. 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 You can get out of the floor. You get the floor. There's always hope. Where there's life, there's hope. So I always speak at 1 o'clock. That's when I always speak here. And that's when everybody gets up to sit on their chair. And to me, when I see all the people that a whole morning were sitting together on the floor... And all of them, everybody's putting their towels and so on on the table, and they're they're getting back in their chairs, and no one's on the floor. Nobody's on the floor anymore. As the speaker looking at the crowd, it's like, wow, there's always hope. There's always hope to get up. And and that was really the point that I wanted to make. That was really the whole point. As you know, there was a three-minute clip, which I want to explain to the boy who did this three-minute clip. I hope you're watching this. He sent me a long email. He actually... Um, did not put up the clip to cause a commotion, but he was in the crowd and he was, he had so much physic from it. He had gone through stuff in his life and he felt like I can get up and we can do this. Um, there was hope. And he put the three minute 23 second clip up because he wanted everyone to see that. Not negatively. He wasn't putting it up to go against me or anything like that. He put it up because he believed that if he puts up only three minutes, people will watch it. I guess 56 minutes, I don't know YouTube, but you're not going to watch 56 minutes on YouTube. So he put it up for physic. He put it up for the right reasons. And then it went viral, went crazy, did its own thing. Um, and so all to, the, to all the people that are out there that were hurt by what I said, by what they, what they understood that I said, I 100% apologize. I have never hurt another Jew in my life. Um, I am in this world, I believe, to to help people, not to hurt them. So I guess when you speak publicly, you it's different than the old days. Everything's taped and everything you can cut and splice and, and things like that. So, you know, you could hurt people. So you got to be more careful. Um, I'm not in that world. I'm not in the Internet world. I don't have Facebook. I don't have WhatsApp. I don't have any of that stuff. So I don't really know that world. So... When you don't know that world, where you might speak and it, things, can, it's like texting, right? You can write, I love you, and it, you can think, the guy really loves me, or he's just like making fun of me. You can't, it's not alive. So it's, it's, it's right, it's a different world. It's not like after the shear, people can come to you and say, what did you mean? Like, Rebbe, what did you mean? Like, what were you saying? It's a different world. Um, nobody can ask you questions, I guess. Nobody asks, nobody asks you questions. 
Nobody texted me and said, what did you mean? Like, I know what you do. Like, what do you mean? Nobody did that. People just went off and they didn't even ask. You know, and, and, and some of the people were like, you judged us, you're judging us, and like, how do you have a right to judge us? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm being judged at the same time. Because if you really want to know what I meant, and it could be it came out wrong, and I'm not saying it didn't. I, again, I apologize. But Leif Shalem, what doesn't it mean with a full heart? I've never hurt a person in my life. I definitely don't want to hurt anyone who's hurting. So sometimes, yeah, you, you say things and you don't, you know. But but the question should have been asked, like, Rabbi Wallace, what did you mean? And I'm going to be very clear what I meant. I meant very clearly, we all have hope. That's it. Whether there's life, there's hope. Whether it's going to therapy, or getting medicine, or you need a lot of time to get better. Everyone is different. Everybody heals different. You know, in sports, there, there are coaches that push very hard. There are coaches that don't push very hard, you know. Um, everybody's different. But the main point is, and that's always Tishabov when I speak here in Oyitzchak, there is hope for Klai Yisrael, for everybody. And um, if getting up and, and, and telling kids, girls and boys, women and men, whatever they're going through, doesn't matter what they're going through, that you have hope, and I believe in you, and I have, and I have hope, if that's if, if that's a crime to to tell people that that you're alive and, and you have hope no matter what happened you have hope I don't I don't hop how that's a crime giving chizik to people cannot be a crime getting up and saying you have hope but some people get hurt and I definitely apologize to those people there's, there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of pain and um, maybe it's just a subject you should talk about altogether. Oh. I like to give physic, but maybe maybe it's not a subject you should give physic in. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But 100%, it wasn't Tishabov. I came out of here, Tishabov, I was like, yes. I was on such a high. I was like, guys, we're going to do it. We're going to make it. We're going to get to the top of the mountain. That's where I come from. That's how I was brought up. I was brought up by a father who believed in potential. The name of his company was Potential Unlimited. It's not a crime to believe in potential. Sometimes it's a crime to push. The person's not ready. You take a person out of a wheelchair and say, okay, I believe in potential, start walking. Right? There's a, there's a process. No one's against the process. But 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 the mindset, and, and I'm talking to my boys and whoever's listening to this, this is my share. This is my Tuesday night share. I'm talking to my boys. And I hope nobody cuts like one minute, like, you know, pushing out of a wheelchair. See, right? Wallace, he said you should push him out of a wheelchair. You know, I, I, you gotta be like, you can cut this thing. Like, that's not what I, I did not say that. I said you shouldn't push anyone out of a wheelchair. But, but, um, I believe in my boys. I've always believed since I'm a Rebbe for 38 years. I believe in my boys no matter, no matter what we go through. We can, we can do it. We can do it. We believe in you. We believe in all you kids. And some of you need more time and some of you need what you need. And Chas Shalom, you need to do that. But I will never, ever stop believing in Kleistral. Religious, not religious, wherever you're up to. I don't judge anyone. But I will never stop believing in this nation, in Kleistral. I have seen so much good and so much strength that I am just not going to stop believing in Kleistral. To me, the biggest crime 
is giving up. Talk about all the time. You're not allowed to give up. That's a mindset. Are you allowed to be in pain? Are you allowed to be angry? You're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to be in pain. You're allowed to be removed. And you're allowed to give up. You're allowed to give up. But I'm not going to stand up here and tell you to give up. I'm going to tell you to stay in the game. I'll tell you a story about my father, Oliver Shalom, so you understand where I'm coming from. My father was a very big racquetball player. Came in every Sunday to play racquetball. He's a very good racquetball player. I was the most miserable racquetball player you ever met. I played basketball, I played hockey. Those four walls, first of all, it's not good, you know, if you have, what's it called? If, you, if you're scared of being like boxed in, if you have claustrophobia, I'm a little bit claustrophobic. So when you close that door in that room and the ball's going, bouncing all over the place, I'm like, get me out of here! Right? So I was never really good. He was really good. And I was his partner. It was terrible. Because I killed his game. You know, if he, went, he wanted to play two and two. I didn't want to play. I said, Dad, I go to the other court, play basketball. We used to go play. And he's like, no, you have to play with your father. So we're playing. It's a 15 game. If anyone knows anything about racquetball, it's a 15 game. It's a true story. We're losing 14-1. It's over, man. I'm not stupid. 14-1. You're not. You're going to make one mistake. You're not winning this game. And I said, Dad, let's let's not exert any more energy here. This game. Let, let's put this game away. Forfeit. Tell him. Okay, next. Let's start the next game. I promise. The next game, I'm going to play better. Promise. Okay. My father says. Is it 15-1 or 14-1? I'm like, it's 14-1. He says, Zechariah, the game is not over till it's 15. Right now, the game is not over. You play as hard as you can. I'm like, we're going to kill ourselves for like a half an hour. Maybe we'll score four, four and then we're going to lose. So let's use those. Right. He said, if you walk off this court, just keep walking. We are not, whilst we don't forfeit. Okay, yeah, I'm going to argue with my father. I'm going to argue with my father. So we play. And we're hitting this ball, that ball. And it's 14-8. And I'm beginning to believe the miracle. And they win 15-8. And I remember going outside to get a towel. My father, we both walked out to get a drink between the games. And I said, Ta, Ta, I told you. We could have used... We could have used all that energy in the next game. I want to tell you what my father said to me. Don't ever forget this, guys. He said, think for a moment. From the time that you wanted to quit and walk out, we won. Eight to one. Actually, seven to one. We scored seven points to their one point. They got the 15th and we got the eight. So for when you were ready to quit, we actually beat them. We scored seven points. It's how you look at things. Until the game is over, you have the potential to win. That's all I was trying to tell everybody on Tisha B'Av, looking at everyone sitting on those chairs. It's not over. We're here, and we're sitting on the chairs. It's not over. We have the potential. People felt I judged everyone who didn't get up. That, 
Well, take your time. It's what you got to do. The therapeutic world. A lot of people want to go that way. They're very helpful. You will need medicine. Whatever it is, get yourself back. Someone took yourself away. Do whatever you can. Just don't give up. That's all. And that's my whole. That's my whole Tishabov speech. And that's all I wanted to share with everyone is just don't give up. Never give up. That's it. It's a different mentality. That's all. You'll make it, you won't make it. Some people do, some people don't. You gotta do your best to try. You need you need help, you need patience. And you know, I never judge you guys are sitting here, you know me for a long time. I never judged another human being in my life. I definitely don't want people to hurt. So I was I'm very apologetic that I got it. People Mamash walked away hurt like a dagger in their chest. I was like, Oh my god, that's not what I meant to do. At all. I never did that, I never would do that and so um, that's it. I'm just telling everyone that's watching my share and listening to my share that that was my whole message. And anyone who got hurt, I, I definitely apologize. Listen, I've given other share. My guys came over to me and said, Rebbe, you triggered triggered something. I don't know what this, everyone's going through in life. And the guys who said to me, girls, even after an Ornava share, you know, came up and said, I got to talk to your boss. You know, like, well, what happened? She goes, you know, you said that line and all my stuff came back. I'm, I'm in so much pain. And I'm like... I will do whatever I can to get rid of that pain. I am so sorry. I don't want to hurt you. When you speak publicly and you throw things out, people get hurt. So I'm not too too big to say I'm sorry. Definitely don't want to hurt anyone. And the boy who put it up was a good boy who did it to give chizek. He didn't put it up to make trouble. And he only put it up for those three minutes because he felt that on YouTube, that would be the biggest chizek. Because you can't put up 56 minutes. He explained it to me. He sent me an email. You can't put 56 minutes on YouTube. No one's going to listen to it. All right. So you, got, you might tell me, man, the people are listening to this. I just want you to know, you know the truth. The naysayers are the naysayers, and for whatever reason. But Shachai Wallenstein never, ever wants to hurt anybody. Anybody. Not even Jew, non-Jewish. Anybody. It doesn't make a difference. Not even the whale I saw in Alaska. Won't hit nobody. Let me tell you a little bit about Alaska. So... Baruch Hashem, I was invited on this cruise. I learned a big lesson, a very big lesson. Number one, I don't like water. <laughs> okay, before I went, I don't remember exactly what happened to me, but something happened to me when I was a kid. And since then, I don't like a rowboat. I don't like a paddle boat. I don't go into the pool. I don't have a certain fear. I don't know what it's, where it's from, really. I think maybe in a bathtub I fell asleep or something happened, whatever, but... But I, I have this fear of water, and um, at the same time, a fear of motion sickness. I, I know I don't have motion sickness on a plane. I've been on some crazy plane rides. But ocean sickness, so everyone's saying, no, you gotta go, you gotta go, you gotta go. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about this in a minute. You gotta go. Um, my, my wife really wanted to go. And everyone's saying it's a city. It's a city on the it's a the boat's a city. It's like a whole city. You don't feel anything. I'm thinking I, I don't care what kind of city. Put a city on the water with waves. So the city starts going. What's the difference? How big the city is? Anyway, I said okay. I am going to make sure I'm, I'm I'm speaking five times on the boat. Now, if you're seasick, like how am I going to get them to speak? Like, and Hashem said that's not going to work. Okay, everybody, come outside. I'm going to speak. You know, over the ocean so I could throw up every minute. So I was very nervous about that. So called the doctor. I got these patches. It lasts for three days. We went on your forehead. No, I'm kidding. You know, put on this patch. It's not a me patch. Way past that. Then I met this girl 
who was on a boat, on a store, and I was telling her I'm going to Alaska, and she said, she was so sick for the first two days. I'm like, don't tell me that. <laughs> and, and like, there's nowhere to go. She's sick. But she had this pill. It's a special pill. Very, very powerful. You put it on your tongue. It melts right away in a minute. And it's like a really, it's, 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 it's used never for chemo. You know, people who take chemo, it's like the, the top of the top of the top. And if you get that pill, you don't have to worry. Even if you get nauseous, you put it on your tongue, and boom, I got that pill. I got that pill, I got patches, I got Dramamine, I figured, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. No, you get onto this huge city, 2,900 passengers, with 1,400 workers. So there's 4,000 people on a boat. Okay? And the first thing you see on the boat, before you get up the gangplank, is, all the lifeboats. I'm like, uh, why do we want so many lifeboats if this boat's supposed to be not sinkable? Like, whatever. And I'm like, okay. Anyway, we get on the boat. I didn't take any medicine yet because I wanted to see what it would be like. Guys, I was on that boat for seven days. Okay? Four of those days, you couldn't get off the boat. It was one, one day with Chavez, you can't get off the boat. And the other three days, it was traveling. Okay? The Alaskan waters going up there were like six to eight feet cap, white caps. That thing was shaking. I don't care, city or no city. I had zero nausea. I had no motion sickness. I don't have motion sickness. I didn't know that. Right? I didn't know. I was never on a boat. I was scared. Zero. I mean, I went to Davin one morning. I was going one side of the hall to the other side of the hall to the other side of the hall to the other side of the hall. I'm like... What happened to the city that, you know, uh, right? Okay, but anyway, Baruch Hashem, I had not a moment, not a moment of seasickness. Maybe I should have because I ate every meal, like, I gained like 30 pounds. Um, I sent the text, I said to my kids, I said, I saw a whale. They said, where? I said, in the mirror. <laughs> so, we're, we're on this boat and I learned, to, and I had the best time of my life and I learned that, you know, Sometimes you have to face your fears. I go on a boat tomorrow. I go back to, if tomorrow morning they're going back to Alaska. I'm on that boat. No problem, no sweat. You know, it says it in the Torah. In the Torah, when the Jews were bitten by the snakes, right? So Moshe Rabbeinu made a copper snake and put it on top of a stick. And Hashem told them, put it on top of the stick and everyone should look at the copper snake. And whoever was bitten by the snake and was dying, if they look at the copper snake, they'll get better. Everybody asks, copper snake, should have put a safe tire up there. You know the doctors have a snake around the stick? You see that snake? That's where it comes from. Because that was a healer. That's where it comes from, really. I'm not kidding. So, um, so the question is, a snake? Put up a, it's not a void dessert, put up, put up a safe tire. Put up Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke. Why a snake? So the Farshim say, Hashem was teaching them to face the enemy, look at the enemy, face the enemy. At the same time, you're looking up, you're looking, the snake bit you, but you're looking up to Shemayim, face your fears. It's terrible. Face your fears. So I faced my fear. And uh, I learned a very important lesson that, that sometimes when you, when you face your fears, you realize there's nothing to be scared about. If I was never on a boat, I'd be scared the rest of my life. Right? I don't know if I'm seasick or not. Now I know I'm not seasick. I'm sure if I went on a boat that was, you know. But, 
Baruch Hashem. So anyway, we get to Alaska. And the first day, we took a helicopter. We get off the boat, we took a helicopter to a glacier. Okay, so you fly up. We were with like 55 degrees, you fly up, it's 25 degrees. On top of a mountain, I never saw a glacier in my life, and the helicopter, maybe next week I'll bring you some pictures, the helicopter lands on the glacier. Okay? You should go. Cuckoo people. Seven helicopters. Shh, go up, all these people land. Standing on this glacier of ice. Now, the, the glacier is like a river of ice that goes through the mountains and cracks the rocks. It's crazy stuff. I'm standing on the glacier, and I'm looking at the ice. And the ice is blue. Blue ice. So she says, you're all wondering why it's blue. This is where Windex comes from. <laughs> as, a, as a joke, right? <laughs> and she starts explaining that the sun has, everything has a prism, right? It's Roy Gabiv, red, orange, yellow, green, right? So all these different colors. The one color that Penetrates the ice and doesn't get absorbed is the color blue. So even when the sun shines, even though all the other one they all pass through it, the blue can't pass through it. And that's why you have the most gorgeous pictures of it. Blue ice. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, wrong. There's a Rashi. And the Rashi says that the reason that Shemayim is blue is because the Kisir covered of Hashem is blue. It's made out of the gem, right? The sapphire. So the reflection of Shemayim is blue from the Kisar cover. And I'm thinking that this ice all the way up in Alaska, it's not blue because uh, color this and that, but that it's also a reflection of Akhushbarhu's this beauty, this amazing beauty that I'm looking at, that I'm standing on. It's crazy to stand on this. Everything is from a Kurdish Baruch. It's a reflection of this Kisar. But the whole Alaska is like a reflection of this Kisar cover. And so we went up to this glacier, and it was it was absolutely beautiful. And then the next the next time out, we went out to um, the jeeping tour, and then we went into a canoe, and then we ended up in a in a forest. Now this is where. You know, I really wanted to see animals. I wanted to see bears eating. A lot of people saw bears eating salmon and all that other stuff. Um, I got a bunch of got a bunch of pictures of the eagle. It was the most majestic. It's the lion in the bird in the bird kingdom. It's the king. It stands on top of the tree, together with its feet. It stands on top, and there's nothing up there that it's scared of. And it's funny because we're compared to the eagle. Hashem is actually. Um, and the reason that Hashem says so, the whole eagle thing is that the eagle being that it's the highest bird, every bird carries its babies in its in its um, claws because it's scared from the birds on top are going to come right and come down and take their babies so they're protecting their babies the eagle has no one that can come from above so it has to protect its babies only from one thing has to protect the babies from below, from people shooting them. So the eagle carries its babies on its wings. Kushbarhu carries us on his wings, so to say, to protect us. So I got a real close up to this magnificent, magnificent Bria. Eight, 
eight foot wingspan, eight feet wingspan. Most of us are five feet tall. It's an eight foot wingspan. Magnificent, flying down, picking up a fish. As I'm, I was just watching this. I was like, Hashem, we got to take a boat, fill it up with Jewish people, right, and just take them to Alaska. No more atheists. Atheism is over. You watch this bria that Hashem created, but this you have to hear what happened. So we go into this. We go canoeing and we end up in this forest. You guys would have been laughing. You would have seen that I was dressed. It was crazy. Right? We go into this forest. Now, the guide, I'm always thinking, you know, God. Right? The guide's talking about nature, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's a very, very, very intelligent guide. And he shows us um, this mushroom, sort of mushroom type of thing. It's called beer's bread. It's what it is. And listen, listen to this, Okay. So the tree, these trees are crazy big. And what do they do? They suck the nutrients, their, their, their roots suck the nutrients out of the ground. This mushroom sucks the nutrients out of the tree. And it becomes, it's a it becomes so big, I have pictures of them, it becomes so big and heavy that it falls off the tree with all the nutrients into the ground and returns the nutrients that the tree was taking from the ground, returns it back to the ground in order to go back into the tree, returns it back to the ground in order to go back to the tree, continuous and continuous for hundreds of years. These trees live for hundreds and hundreds of years out in the forest. Nobody knows about this. No one knows of God's creation. And this man is standing here and saying, do you understand how this, how the rainforest works, how everything helps so here you have this thing that sucks it out of the tree then ends up on the ground because it gets too big why would Hashem make something grow that's too big why would it grow too big so either the beer eats it right, it's called beer's bread or it falls to the ground and of course there's much more of these than there are beers falls to the ground and goes back into the ground and the tree takes it and it goes back into the ground and the tree takes it and that's what keeps the tree alive otherwise the tree would continue to take the nutrients and sooner or later the roots would have nothing left and the tree would die. Baruch Hashem It's creation. Not done. Then he shows us a cave. A cave made out of roots of trees. Because on this island that we were, there's not enough rock. So the beers hibernate, not in a cave of rock. I have pictures. Next week I'll bring them. But in a cave of roots, total cave made out of gnarled roots, listen to this. Next to the cave where they hibernate, they're called cabbage plants, whatever they're called, I don't know, they're cabbage plants, whatever they are. Um, they cause crazy constipation. The beer eats this before it hibernates, boys. So that during the whole winter, when it's sleeping, it doesn't have to go to the bathroom. Next to that, a little bit further away, I forgot what it's called, is much more plants that cause crazy diarrhea. When the bear wakes up to clean himself out before he starts to eat again, he goes and eats that plant, which cleans his whole body from sleeping for whatever months he is, and... Hashem put uh, uh, something that causes him to, uh, what, what do you call it when you have to go to the bathroom? Uh, a laxative and the opposite 
right next to where the bear sleeps so that he has everything that he needs. Sick! That's sick! So, Akash Baruch Hu, when he created the world, he, the plant that's next to the beer, right, he needs to constipate, then the other plant, it's not normal, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not looking at the beer, I'm looking at a, a whole pharmacy. Food and a pharmacy and a place to sleep for a beer. Al-Achas, very good, beer necessities, excellent. Al-Achas, kama v'kama, for us as humans, what he's done for us as humans, it's not normal. It's not normal. I mean, we saw sea otters, all these other things that you see up there, you know, a whale. Wow, what a bria. What a bria. You know, you, now I, when I want to read Yonah, about Yonah and the whale, I have a whole different picture. Crazy bria. And how they make sounds to talk to each other. It's, it's not normal. It's not normal. I, 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 I came out of there I'm just in a different place. Beautiful, beautiful country, not unspoiled. There are more bears than there are humans. Because Alaska is very, there's very few humans. Millions and millions of acres of land, but there's very, very, very few humans. So I, it's just, wow. It's just, you can see so much. But that, that to me was just, just walking in the woods and him explaining and, and how each thing takes care of the other thing. It's not normal. Not normal. And how the earth and everything is just it was just not normal. I'll tell you a story that happened on the on the on the on the boat itself. So I'm on, we're on this boat, of course we have a minion, right? Three times a day. And I'm giving Shirim and everything's great. And on Shabbos, so you can't get off the boat on Shabbos. You're going to get off, we can't get off. On Shabbos, um, I came out of the I had to go to the bathroom, so I came out of the minion and um, I was wearing my towels just to walk out of the menu, whatever it is, and there was a man standing there, and he said, you, you people have a, a minion here? He didn't look Jewish. You people have a minion here? I'm like, yeah. He goes, unbelievable. Wow. I'm like, what's going on? He goes, my father died today, many years ago. You think they'll let me say Kaddish? I promise you. I'm like, come on. I slept him in there, and he said Kaddish after Elena. Just, just met him. I had to go to the bathroom. I just met him. I'm like, no yarmulke, nothing. I was sure it wasn't a Jew. Crazy stuff. Anyway. So I think maybe it would be a great idea. We should go out to Alaska and, and find God in the wilderness. Take everyone on a wilderness trip. trip. But, but you see in Akkadjavokha's Bria, he did not, God did not miss every insect has what to eat and how to live and how each thing is, you know, live off another. There was a whale that was beached. Um, there was a whale that was beached. It died, and, and um, the the polar bears—I didn't see them, but I was watching a whole documentary on it. The polar bears, the walruses, everything ate off that that one whale that was beached. They had like a meal for like three months. So even in the death of a Hashem, didn't leave the whale in the water where nobody would have gotten it, but it, it was beached out there, and everybody ate from it. He has his courage uh, who takes care of every little teeny bria. Every little bria. And that just brings you closer to Kirsch So that was my Alaska trip. I mean, I'm saying it to you in very, very short. We wanted this crazy motorboat. I saw waterfalls like, not normal. The water there's like comes out of the, out of the mountain. It's like, yeah, anyway. Pashas, I want to, I want to repeat something that I said, um, that I said on the trip. I think it's very, very important. 
and this is what it says on last week's Pasha in Pasha's Akiv it says the following it's so beautiful I don't know why I never spoke about this before in Hamishi it says V'akta Yisrael and now Yisrael Ma Ma Hashem Olikecha Shol Mimach what does God want from you? did you ever ask that question? Hashem what do you want from me? The Pasek asks this. I guess I never got to Chamishi preparing. Really, because I usually, I usually find my stuff before Shani. So I never get to Chamishi. But now I was sitting in the boat. I had a lot of time. So I got to Chamishi. I'm like, wow! What does God want from me? That's, that's the question everybody asks. It's in the Torah. What does he want? This is what he wants, says the Pasek. Ki im Hashem To fear God. That you should go in all his ways. Yira is really awe, to be in awe of the king. So you should follow in his ways. What does God want? He wants you to love him. That's it. And to serve him with your whole heart and then your whole soul. First your heart and then your soul. Listen to what Hashem is saying. To, to keep the mitzvahs and the chukim that I commanded you today, letoiv lach, for your good. Not for my good, says Hashem. I don't want you to listen to me for my good. I want you to listen to, and, and this is what I said in, in, on the, on the recruits. Hashemayim, the waters of heaven and heaven, everything you see in Alaska, it's for us. God loved our forefathers. He chose us, their children, after them. Even today, right now, when we're saying this, Hashem chose us to be His nation. Now, what does that mean to love Hashem with all your heart? What does that mean, right? To love Him. What does that mean to love somebody? Hashem just wants you to love him. So, I think we spoke about this a while back, but I think this is um, very, 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 very important. What is love? What does Hashem want from us? I spoke about this on the boat. I spoke about this last night also somewhere. So, to really love someone means... That when that person is happy, that person's happiness is what makes you happy. It's a very high level. In other words, in other words, it's not about what I want. I go shopping. You go shopping with your wife. She spends five hours. She buys nothing, right? But she's so happy because women like to go shopping. They don't always like to buy things. We like. We go into a store. Takes us twelve minutes. We have six suits, six pairs of shoes, five ties, five shirts. Pair of socks, you know, hats takes a little longer, but all that, right, we, we don't take a long time. And you don't go shopping and come home with nothing that you feel like a loser. Women, they like to shop. It's not the buying, it's the shopping. It's the moving from the left to the right and the right to the left and how do I look and how do I don't look and it's a whole situation. Right? It's a sitch. We'll call it a sitch. It's a sitch. But you're standing there for five, six hours and you watch, you want to miss your football game and you missed your friends and Right, but she is so happy. You're watching her shop and looking at all the dresses. And she's smiling. Wow, what do you like this? You like this? I want to like. They like. Wow, and you're like. Wow, she's so happy. I'm happy. 
I don't exist. My happiness is her. Her happiness is even though I like to watch football or go to a football game and I'm shopping into a football game, right? I remember I was very big. I was a big into. I was a drummer and I was very big into jazz. And I wanted to go to a jazz concert with my wife. It was a long time ago, before I became like Jewish. No, but, <laughs> but it's a long time ago. So we, this guy Chuck Mangione. Chuck Mangione was like a, he had a, had just come out with a, a brand new song. I told him I want to go to a jazz concert. Well, I was like. Jazz concert. I don't want to go to a jazz concert. We go to this jazz concert, and the drummer's banging away, and the guys, they're blowing their horns, everything. And she's sitting next to me, fast asleep, in the middle of a jazz concert. Right? She came with me because she knew that made me happy. She didn't like jazz. She doesn't like football. Women don't like to watch guys break their heads and smash it into the ground. Right? But I'll just give you examples. On a much higher level, on a much higher level, and this is really what a good Jewish, what a good Jewish from, from girl should, should be. And I, I know a lot of girls like this. That when their husband comes home from a sheer, not a football game or a jazz concert, but he comes home from a sheer, they're so happy because he's, he's got this, like, I asked a good kasha tonight. I asked the Rebbe a good kasha. You know, I, I, the Gemara tonight was amazing. And he's tell, telling it over to her. He was all excited. And she's like, wow, he's happy. Go to the shir. I'll, I'll, I'll change my plans. Because if Torah and learning makes him happy, which it should, it makes her happy. That's a marriage. That's a beautiful, successful relationship. What makes you happy makes me happy. Your will becomes my will, even though in the beginning I really would not rather do this, but how does that change? Right? There's a Mishnah in Pekiyavos. And the Mishnah says, you should make your will, let's see what it says this, The son of Rabbi Yehuda Nasi said, Make God's will like your will. In order that he will make your will his will. What does that mean? It's exactly what I just said to you now. I don't want to go shopping with my wife. I don't want to. It is not my will. I want to stay home with my friends. I do not want to go home, go shopping with my wife. Now, when I make my will, her will, I want to go shopping with my wife because it makes my wife happy. What makes my wife happy makes me happy is exactly what the mission is saying. The mission is saying, I say, I say, say no. Make your will Hashem's will. If you make your will Hashem's will, then in the end, the mission is saying, what's going to happen? In the end, if you're happy 
that you're doing the right thing when Hashem wants and you want to make Hashem happy in the end you and Hashem will have the same will that is the ultimate relationship the ultimate relationship is removing yourself we call it, I call it sacrifice maybe it's a harsh word but that it's so important to me that you're happy because not um, sacrificing like okay I'll go with you uh, I'll suffer and next week you'll suffer you'll come to the football game no that's not a relationship relationship is you're happy this is what makes you happy I went on this cruise I did not want to go on this cruise I try to cancel. I called the guy who runs the cruise three weeks ago and I said, I just opened a, a, a rehab for girls with horses and stuff. I am so busy. I'm going to call Rabbi Lamb. I'm going to call someone else. I'm going to send you someone else. Because that's not really, I, I really didn't have a problem. I could have gone. But I was panicking. I didn't want to get on that boat. I did not want to get on that boat. And he was like, a rabbi cannot cancel on a cruise. And my, and my wife was so nice because she really wanted this cruise. And she's like, if you really don't want to go, you don't have to go. If you really, really don't want to go, you don't have to go. And I saw how important it was to her and how much she wanted me to go. That in the end, going, standing by that boat, right, after flying to Seattle and looking up that boat, and she was so excited. So I was excited. I became excited. Before I got on the boat, I said, I don't care how many pills I have to pop. If this is what she wants and she wants to go on this cruise and spend seven days, if that's what makes her happy, that's what makes me happy. In the end, I was happier than her. <laughs> Seriously. I was like, let's go here, let's do this, let's go on that. Let's go dog sledding. They canceled dog sledding. Let's go dog sledding on, on the ice, whatever it is. They canceled it. I was like, let's, uh, I, was, I was going crazy. I was like, let's do this, let's do that, let's do this. And, and in the end, I was happier than her. And, and that's what happens, Lamai. So when you give yourself up for someone else, in the end, you think you, you're doing it for them. In the end, you, you, you do that much better. That's the mission. That's what Hashem wants. That's what the Pasuk says. What I want you to do is I want you to love me. To love me. What does it mean to love me? You should get to a point where God's will is my will. And, and if, if this is what Hashem wants, sort of make Hashem happy. He doesn't have to be happy, but it's what He wants and that's what I want. Because I love God. Because He created this crazy world with crazy potential just for me, for one man. If everyone dropped dead, I'm still going to have glaciers. I'm still going to have Alaska. I'm still going to have flowers. I may not have as many flowers, but there'll be the same different kind of flowers. And there'll be oranges and apples and everything else. Because Hashem created the world for one man. A bunch of animals and one man. So realizing that, realizing what Hashem did for me, I want to do for Him. He doesn't need you to do for Him. It's for you. I, in the end of the day, I got on the boat. It was for me. I had the most amazing trip of my life. In the end, I thought it was for her. In the end, it was for me. It's a very big lesson. And then the Mishnah says something amazing. The Mishnah ends, and he says, But our relationship with Hashem is two ways. Not just what I do for Him. Our relationship can't be one way. It doesn't work. Hashem will give you paid back. If you, if your whole being is Hashem's happiness is your happiness and you're able to break your will to do the wrong things then Hashem will break the wills of others that want to hurt you. He will give you the siyata, the shmaya to break the will of the greatest enemy which is the satan. He'll give you the siyata, the shmaya. 
to be able to break the will of the Satan. That's the payback. That's the payback. That's a very, very important Mishnah. And that's what the Pasuk is saying over here. What do I want from you? I want you to love me. Guys, is that asking too much? Is Hashem asking too much? I gave you a crazy world, even though you're messing it up. And I gave you crazy potential. And I just want you to love me. Imagine someone turning to Hashem and saying, God, what do you want from me? And a voice comes out, I just want you to love me. That's what it says there. So I want. I don't want you to hate me. I don't want you to deny me. I want you to love me. I want to have a relationship with you. Such a sad, such a sad, happy person. It's a happy person if you have the relationship. Such a sad when the chassan tells the kala and she says to her husband, "What do you want from me?" And the husband says, "I just want you to love me. What's going on over here?" Shem saying, "You want to know what I want from you, right?" Kalishol, you're asking me, "God, what do you want from me already? You're making me crazy. I just want you to love me. That's all I want." He's not getting that love right now, man, in a big way. He's not getting that love from us. We dive in. We do our mitzvahs. Get out of here. How many of us feel that making God happy would make you happy? You're thinking money will make you happy. A nice pretty girl will make you happy. Maybe some guys are thinking drugs will make them happy. Or a beautiful house or a cool car will make them happy. No. It's not going to make you happy. What's going to make you happy is is to be connected and to love Hashem. That's all he wants. That's all he's asking for. This week's Pasha will end with this. Pasha Re'eh. You you guys probably never saw um when someone's like trying to develop a relationship and the person's just not looking at them and they're just like can you look at me for a minute or when someone's in a fight can you look at me for a minute I want to talk to you can you look at me for a minute that's all I want just, just, just let's have some eye contact the first word in this parasha is re'e it's the first word in this parasha look at me re'e anoichi separate the two words re'e look anoichi at me Look at me. Stop looking at the movies and the television and everything else in the world. Look at me. Some of us see Hashem through learning, which is a, which is a fantastic level. And some of us see, see Hashem through His Bria, through His creation. But God's like, we keep turning our face away from Him. And He keeps like, will you look at me already? This week's Parashat. Re'ei anaychi, look at me. Noisein lefneichem hayayim. I give in front of you every day. I give you life. The ability to see and to hear and to walk and to breathe. I give you potential. Every day you wake up, you have potential. Re'ei. Look. Anoichi. Me. Anoichi. Lefneichem. I give in front of you every single day potential. Hayom. Every day. Bracha uklala. When you get up in the morning, you get potential of two things, guys. You have potential of a blessing or the potential of a curse. That's your potential when you wake up in the morning. It's either positive or negative. There's nothing in between. 
Es ha-bracha. The bracha, the blessing. If you listen to the mitzvahs that I commanded you today, and the prophet doesn't tell us the bracha. That's not fair. And the bracha is going to be, if you listen to me every single day, and then the next Pasuk says, Abba and the curse is, If you're not going to listen to my mitzvahs, you're going to go off the derech, that I commanded you today, and you're going to go after other gods, that you don't know, and it doesn't say the curse. It doesn't say the bracha. It says it. Says it. it and it says, doesn't say the curse. If you listen to me, that is the blessing. But most people don't know that. So the answer is that as a bracha, the bracha is not if you listen to me, you're going to get a bracha. The bracha is if you wake up in the morning and you listen to the mitzvahs and you do what you're supposed to, then the potential that God gave you that morning is a bracha. He gave you life. And you use the life to get mitzvos, so that's a bracha, it's the biggest blessing. So the bracha is that you used your potential correctly. That's not klala, the other side. What's the biggest klala? Hashem gave you potential when you woke up in the morning, and you used it to do a virus. So you used your potential to go the other way, that's the biggest curse. Better, better to not have woken up that morning than to have done that virus the whole day. So Hashem's saying, I, that's the biggest curse. I, 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 I gave you potential and you took it and you used it to hurt other people. Whatever you did, that's the biggest call. So it's not the bracha will be if you listen to me. It is the bracha is if you listen to me. The call is if you listen to me. That's, that's the, but, but the first thing it starts with, re'eh, you got, re'eh and you have to look at me. You have to look at me. Through your Torah, through your mitzvahs, through your davening, through the paintings, through the pictures, through whatever, whatever, Whatever it is. Hashem has painted the most beautiful. I heard tonight. I heard tonight. Oh, who said this? Who said this? Who said this? Oh, come on. Is that Robert Freifeld? All of us. Robert Freifeld said something beautiful. We'll end with this thought. Because it has to do with everything we spoke about tonight. Robert Freifeld said... He didn't speak on this puzzle specifically, but this is what he was speaking about. He said, He says, every one of us, every morning, we wake up, it's a beautiful thought. We wake up, and Hashem puts in our hand a paintbrush. And all the different colors paint. And he's like, it's in your hands to paint what the day is going to look like. You can make the most beautiful painting. You can, in your, every person, like he said, beautiful. He said, very fireful, said beautiful. I wish I would have known him. I only have his tapes, but he said, every person is an artist, and every artist has a different style. So God has all these human beings in the world that every single morning he gives a paintbrush and paint, and he's like, paint your most beautiful painting the way that you want to. Your style, your way. He says, and the bracha is the people who sit and they take everything that Hashem gave us, the fruits and the animals and the tire, everything that we have, and every single day we paint this beautiful picture. We help people 
we made brachos, we, we went to visit, we said good morning, we made someone happy. It's like this huge painting of Shemaim at the end of the day, and on the bottom, you sign your name. The Neshama signs the name. This painting today, on Tuesday, right, was, was painted by Zechariah Wallerstein. And sometimes it's a very beautiful painting, because you had a good day and you did the right stuff. And sometimes a very dark, disastrous, black blotches painting. But you have the paintbrush every morning in your hand. And Hashem puts out all the paint. And it's your job to paint that picture. He said, that's how a person has to think when he says, Moda'ani, thank you Hashem for waking me up today. I'm an artist, and I'm going to weave the most beautiful Art. I'm going to paint the most beautiful painting that I ever painted today, and then the next day I'm going to paint even a better painting, and and that's what. And then the person signs his name, and and that's his painting. And the whole Kleistral is painting this huge painting, and that painting is going to be on the wall by the Suda Shalav Yassam when Mashiach comes, of everything that Kleistral went through. And at the end of the painting, I believe it'll be. I don't think it'll be a dark painting, the coming of Mashiach, and it'll be a. A painting of hope. And that's really my message from Tishabov and my message always in every shir is that we should never ever give up hope. And This is the greatest animamim of the thirteen, in my opinion of the thirteen. This is my motto because they stuck something into this animamim that really doesn't belong there. I believe even though he's so delayed I'm still waiting for him every day that I should come there's no negativity in any of the Yud Gimel of the, of the 13 what, what is this business for Alpish Yismameya doesn't say that in Tzchir Tzameisim the next one right what's the next one Tzchir Tzameisim V'Eshiyalewatzim V'Kash Baruchu uh, I believe in, I believe that there'll be resuscitation of the dead when it'll be the will of God. His name should be. Doesn't say I believe in in the, in the resuscitation of the dead. And even though it didn't happen yet, I'm waiting every day for it to happen. Doesn't say that. It says that Mashiach. And Right. What's the Afapishis Mamea? It should just say Achakalah. I'm waiting for it. And you know what I'm going to be What's Afapishis Mamea? It sounds like. Even though it's taking so long, it sounds like a little bit of a complaint. Anyone with a son with Shiach, right? Achakalah, I wait every day, but call him Shiavo, but he should come. What's the Afapishi Yismameh? They're like, and even though it's taking so long, so what? So what? So that you shouldn't believe in him? Because it makes him taking just as long. And the answer is, right, that we're saying taking so long, it doesn't discourage us. That's a very big word. In other words, we realize you don't always get a fix right away. I'm waiting. I have hope. I'm waiting. It's taking its time. I have hope. Things take time. But that's a negative comment. It's like, even though I'm waiting so long, what do I have to wait so long for, right? No. Every single day I get up, I have a paintbrush, and I have a canvas. And maybe tomorrow morning when I wake up, that painting will be painted, and on that canvas will be Mashiach ben David. So even though I'm waiting, I still have the potential. I, I, I'm a survivor. I still have that, that, 
that ability. I, if I wake up, I have that ability to go on. And that's the, the animamim of Moshiach. The animamim of Moshiach is getting up on the chair in midday Tishabav and sitting on the chair and saying, even though I went through all this, I'm sitting on the chair. I'm painting a painting. Hashem, we should all be Zatra guys that tomorrow morning when you wake up there should be a painting, huge painting across the world, and on that painting should be the painting that we all painted for all these years, and it should be the painting of David HaMelech, and Mashiach, and here will be Emmanuel Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.